Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are located in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and our mission is for you to know God and make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how you can partner with us, please go to fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. Brother Bill today. We love him. We love you. Amen. Here I stand amazed. I love that song. I was listening to it last night. I was, I was putting the words up there and I was impacted. Hey, I have a message for us this morning um, and I'm excited about it. I, uh, I was planning something different. Man, the one I had was good too. It was about unity and we we're going to talk about uh, the unity in the church and how there's, anyways, we'll get to it another time, but it's not for today. <laughs> because the Lord started speaking to me something this past week, and, and I really feel like it's for someone here today, if not everyone. I know it was for me this past week. And it's called, I want to give it a title, it's called Through My Mind's Eye. Turn to the person next to you and say, Through My Mind's Eye. Now turn to your second favorite, and just, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Don't do that. There, <laughs> or Through My Mind's Eye. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit. We thank you today, God, that we felt your presence in this place, and I thank you that in your presence anything can happen. Lord, lives can change, bodies can be healed, minds can be made whole, God, people can be set free. And so we thank you that your presence comes when we come to gather together. Lord, we don't take it for granted, and we want to say thank you today. God, again, we pray for our pastors who are bringing the word in Canada. God, we pray blessing on them. God, I pray that as your word goes forth here, God, I pray that you'll open our hearts and ears to receive what you'd want us to hear and take away from today. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Through my mind's eye, who here appreciates the gift of sight. You're thankful that you can see. I've known some people who had eyesight trouble and it's, it, it, it's hard because sight is such a powerful part of our life. But I just want to, I feel like there's this connection that I want to share with you today and bring out a spiritual truth that, that first of all, I want to share with, I did some research on, on our eyes today, this week. And I just, I just want to show you this, that how many of you know your eyes are an extension of your brain. That actually without your brain, your eyes cannot function correctly. Actually without your brain, nothing can function correctly. But your eyes specifically, you cannot see without your brain. Let me read this to you. And the optic nerve, which is a cable-like grouping of nerve fibers, connects and transmits visual information from the eyes to the brain. In the human eye, the optic nerve receives light signals from about 125 photoreceptor cells. Scientists, many scientists agree that your eyes are the most intricately detailed part of your body. The the eyes have over 125 million photoreceptor cells that distinguish light and then send that information through the optic nerve to your brain and then somehow your, uh, your visual cortex deciphers all that and you're able to see. And so uh, in the brain, the optic nerve transmits visual signals to the, I'm not going to get this right, so if you're a bio major, you can scold me later. The lateral, I guess it's not too hard, geniculate nucleus, the LGN, where vi- thank you, where visual information is relayed to the visual cortex of the brain, and that converts the image impulses into objects that we see. And so without your mind, without your brain, your eyes are useless, 
Your eyes are intricate, detailed, and important, but without your brain functioning, you can't see. Many people have had head injuries, and it starts to affect other parts of their body. They can't see anymore. I was reading studies on on brain damage this past week, not a happy study, but anyways, 40% of people who have brain injuries experience some sort of vision loss. Many people experience, it was up to 40% of people with a brain injury experience sight issues, blurry or hazy vision, double vision, you ever see double before? <laughs> Problems with balance or depth perception, partial loss of vision of field, etc. And so, if my eyes are working well, but my mind is hurt, injured, I'm not going to be able to see correctly. There's going to be vision loss. There's going to be blurriness, double vision, haziness. And I want to make the parallel with you today that you've been given spiritual eyes. How many of you know that this walk of faith that we walk is not by sight, but it's by faith? You've been given the eyes of the Spirit of God. And so you can see not with your own two natural eyes. The Bible actually discourages that, to walk by, not by sight, but by faith. I want to turn with you real quick to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. And it says that. It says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And so you have given, been given the spiritual eyes for you to be able to see how God would see. Have, have you ever, do you remember pre-salvation in your life and the world looked different, not physically, but to your heart, to your soul. I saw people differently. I walked the world differently. It, it was different. I thought, I thought things uh, were different. And when I met Christ, all of a sudden my eyes were changed. I began to see like he sees. But I want to make you, uh, <clears throat> I want to make the, the connection today with you. That we are called to live with eyes of faith. But in the same way that the eyes rely on the brain, you having the eyes of faith depends on you having the mind of Christ. Can you say amen? That, that in order for me to see correctly, the Bible talks about my mind being renewed and transformed. So in, in order for me to be, able, to be able to see with the eyes of faith, I can't think with the mind of the natural. I have to, I have to ask the Holy Spirit to give me the mind of Christ. I need a transformed mind. I need a renewed mind. And so today I want to show you some scriptures, and I just believe the Lord is, is, wants to bring forth this topic of, of for our minds to be transformed. How many of you know when you first got saved, I know the Holy Spirit began to renew your mind, but was it an overnight process? Who here overnight was completely like Jesus the night, the, the day after? No, okay, good, I hear some laughs, that's comforting. No, the renewing of the mind is a gradual process. How many of you know that we are still in the process of our minds being transformed? Why? It's because God deals in the supernatural. And we live in the natural. It's not your fault. It's where you've been placed. It's who you've been made. You have a natural mind. God, though, lives in the supernatural. I love this, though, that he's not outside of the natural, because that would be extra natural, and that's just weird. 
He's supernatural. He's above the natural. Can you say amen today that his ways are in our ways, that his thoughts are in our thoughts. He is higher. He's above. He's in control. He's all powerful. And all of a sudden, as I yield my life to him, he asks me to begin thinking like he thinks. It's tough because I like to think like I like to think. I like to get mad at people when they hurt me. I like to be frustrated with you when you inconvenience me. I like, to, I, I like to be stressed and worry about my finances. That's what I like to do because I'm natural. But the mind of Christ calls me to a higher place. It's the supernatural place. It's above the natural. And all of a sudden, when my mind is renewed, I begin to see like God sees. My eyes of faith come into focus. And all of a sudden, what was blurry before now comes into sight. And I say, oh, I, I can see what God's doing in that. Before, I had no idea. I was fearful frustrating and frankly annoying and I hated it but now I can see oh wow God's in that God was working there I can see because my mind is changing I want you to turn with me to Romans 12 2 and and it's the book of the book Paul we believe Paul wrote it we're yeah, Paul wrote it, right? And, and he speaks to the Roman church. There's a few that we're not sure. This one we know. All right, Romans 12. He's speaking to Christians in Rome, Jew and Gentile, and he says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In light of what he's done for you, it is reasonable for you to give everything back to him. Verse two, and do not be conformed to this world, but be instead transformed. That word transformed in the Greek is metamorpho. It means to change into another form, to be a different form. So be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. That word renewing is anachinosis. That's not right, but it's close. It means a renewal, a renovation, a complete change for the better. I'm to be transformed, made new by the renovation, the complete overhaul of my mind that you may prove. I may begin to test. I may have discernment what is good and acceptable in the will, perfect will of God. All of a sudden when I can not be conformed but transformed by the renewing of my mind by the grace of God, all of a sudden I begin to discern. I begin to see like he sees. I begin to see people like he sees people. I begin to even see myself like he sees me. Oh, how many people would it set free? How many of us today would it set free if you could see you like God sees you? If your mind would be so transformed that you would see how much you are loved by your father, but instead sometimes we're walking around with some brain damage and our, and our, blision, our, our blision is very, our, our vision is blurry. I have apparently hit my head and can't speak today. Our vision is blurry. I can't see how God loves me. I can't see with the eyes of faith. I can't see how his blood has covered everything that I've ever done wrong because my mind isn't renewed. I'm not thinking like he thinks, so I can't see like he sees. Why is my mind important? We've established that, started to, but I want to further that thought with you. Why is how I think important? It's just thoughts. It's not like it's actions. It's not like, you know, what is it? Why is it important? Proverbs 23, 7 says this, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So for as you, so as you think, 
actually determines who you are? Could that be true? That's what scripture says. Dr. Caroline Leaf, who's a Christian scientist, says this, when you think you're th you build thoughts and these become physical substances in your brain, biologically, your thoughts actually shape and mold who you are. And so your thinking controls your path. You're thinking, how about some thoughts like this? Can God heal me? Can God set me free? All in your mind. Can God provide for my finances? Can God give me peace in the middle of this storm? Can God give me and put me into his purpose? Can God really turn this situation for good? Can he do it? All thoughts, thoughts in your mind. And so I want to keep going with you. You know, God wants to renew your mind to think how he thinks and think what he thinks. And I, I believe not just how he thinks. I believe he wants to get specific enough with you where, he, where you think what he thinks, not just how he thinks. Yes, there are principles in the word of God, and we, we want to think like God thinks, but I want to get to the place where I want to think what God thinks. I want to think what he's thinking about me. I want to think what he's thinking about the people around me. I want to think what he thinks. And so I want to I turn with you to 1 Corinthians 2. And so in the natural, where we live, we don't, we don't understand because we're, we're human. I understand the plight of humanity mostly. Some things I don't understand. I don't understand having to deal with screaming children at 6 a.m. in the morning. But I understand, I understand pain. I understand loss. I understand sickness. I understand fear. Why? Because I am human. I am natural. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, it begins to bring us this point that humans understand humans because we are human. But humans can't understand God without the Spirit of God because we are not God. But you've been given access to the Spirit of God through the renewing, the transforming of your mind. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16 says this, but the natural mind does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. This thing that we call faith is ridiculous to most people. Why? It's because the Spirit of God hasn't reached into their hearts yet and transformed how they think and how they, how they see. And so it's stupid. What do you mean you're having faith for that? It's dumb. Try harder. Work it out. Work harder. Do more. This is crazy. But verse 15 says, but he who is spiritual judges, that word judges means is able to discern all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one for who has known the mind of the Lord that we, excuse me, that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Will you say that after me today? I want us to repeat that phrase and claim it today. But we have the mind of Christ. I was, I had a story for you to illustrate in, this week and it was a good one, but I prayed about it. It was usually a good idea. And I was like, hey, is there anything, Lord, is the Holy Spirit, is there anything better for me to illustrate this point of the renewed mind? All of a sudden, I just heard in my mind, Peter. I was like, oh yeah, you're right. That really, that is good. And so I want to show you, I want to show you a couple stories from the life of Peter. Pre-Holy Spirit transformed mind, Peter is out of control. Unstable. His mind, I don't even know the adjectives for it. But, but the thing with Peter and why I love the picture of Peter is because most of us are able to suppress what we're thinking. 
Most of us can keep it inside. Peter does not have that ability. Whatever comes to Peter's mind, he will say it and say it loudly for the people in the back. He, he, he says whatever comes to his mind. So we see all throughout scripture, Peter not just having crazy thoughts, but expressing his thoughts. And so uh, Jesus walks with Peter for three and a half years. <laughs> you think that being around king of kings for three and a half years would renew your mind. You think that would be enough, right? But it's not. You know, there's people who have been in church for decades who their minds have not been renewed. They still see the world around them the same way as they walked in that church 20 years ago. They see their spouse the same way they, they did decades ago. They see their children and their, and their co-workers and the world around them the same exact way because their minds. So it's not enough to show up. It's actually got to be a transformation on the inside. And so Peter, you'd think he'd be more like Jesus three years in. But in Matthew chapter 16, he's still thinking weird stuff. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, I want to share with you two stories and then share with you one more story and then look at Peter's transformation. But, but Peter has a rough couple weeks here in Matthew 16. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. And Peter gets an idea. But Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Just think about this, right? Peter is rebuking the Son of God, who if, if you're not familiar with this passage, he just, in an earlier passage, says, you are God, you're the Son of God, you're who we've been waiting for. And then he pulls Jesus aside and says, Jesus, this is, this is, not, this is not how it's to be, right? It sounds funny, but, but don't we do it? Don't we do it where something happens? Jesus is allowing something in my life, and maybe it looks scary, and maybe it looks like it's gonna stretch me, and I come to Jesus in my prayer time and say, Jesus, this isn't what we talked about. We got a good thing going here, right? Peter come, Peter's mind gets involved. This isn't, this isn't how it's supposed to be. And look at this, man, Jesus, Jesus turns to him and says, but he turned to Peter and he said, oh, get thee behind me, Satan, right? In the Greek, that means get behind me, Satan. That's what he means what he says. <laughs> for you are an offense to me. Look at this. For you are not, what? Mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. See, Peter's mind hasn't been transformed yet. Peter hasn't gone through the transformation of the Holy Spirit to be able to think what God is thinking. And so he sees, but his vision is blurry. I almost said it again. His blurry is vision. His vision is blurry. And he can't see what God is doing. And so all of a sudden, he's got he's to throw his ideas in the pot. Bad idea, Jesus. Let's do it this way. We got a good thing going. Your ministry's growing. You got thousands of people following you. Come on. You're not going to die. You don't need to get arrested and killed for the sins of the world. You got to save people. You got to heal people. That's what you've been doing. And Jesus says, you're not thinking the way I'm thinking. I have a different plan in mind. Matthew 17, Peter isn't learning his lesson because you don't learn a transformed mind. You're given a transformed mind. Now after six days, it's the same week. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. I like 
that conversation. It doesn't tell us what they're saying, but verse four, then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, look, Peter, Peter has some ideas. He says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make us here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. This is great. We got a good thing going. <laughs> Verse five, I love this. First, he gets called Satan by Jesus. Now, literally the only place in scripture where God shuts somebody up. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came down from the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Verse six, and when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, arise and do not be afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Peter has this struggle where he, he's not thinking what God thinks. He's not seeing how God sees. I should say he can't see what God sees because he's not thinking like God thinks. And later even, Peter, you know his story, betrays Jesus. We see this up and down experience with Peter where he's always struggling with having his own thoughts and doing it his own way and wanting to make things happen in his own direction. But Peter's transformed, and we're not going to get into the scriptures because we're getting late on time and I'm going to close here soon, but, but Peter encounters something real in Acts 2 and the Holy Spirit falls on the disciples and we learn that it wasn't good enough to just walk or be around Jesus for three and a half years. I actually need the spirit of Jesus in me to be transformed. I actually have to have God in me for me to think differently, for me to see differently, for me to be different. And so it's not good enough. I'm glad you're here today. Don't get me wrong. But it's not good enough for me to just put my hope in church attendance or in, or in, or in being around family members that love Jesus. And Well, my family loves Jesus. and I'm good. And no you got to invite the Holy Spirit in for you to begin transforming, to be making you think differently so you can see clearly. I just want to read it to you one more time. Oh, 2 Corinthians verse 3, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18 says this. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That picture of the veil is... The separation of you from God's presence in the Old Testament. The thing that was the barrier. But now it says, when I come to Jesus, that when I turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. And all of a sudden I can see beyond what I could no longer see. What I could never see before. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. That word transformed is the same one that we read earlier in Romans 12. Transformed is metamorpho, to change into another form. We are transformed into the same image of who? Of Jesus from glory to glory. It's a process just as by the spirit of the Lord. And so it says, when I come to Jesus and turn to Jesus, the veil is removed. But as I continue to look, as I continue to gaze, my mind is being transformed from glory to glory. Do I automatically think like Christ on day one? Mm -mm. I know that from experience. But I begin to as I spend time in his presence. As I begin to experience his Holy Spirit, my mind begins to transform. And then my eyes begin to see clearly. I'm not gonna read this story with you. I am gonna read this story with you because we have 10 minutes 
Acts 4, I'm going to read verses 1 through 16, and I'm going to give you three principles on how to renew our minds practically. But Acts 4 says this, this is the new Peter. Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day. This is Peter, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. Pretty cool. Verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. Verse 7 says, And when they had set him, excuse me, set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Verse 8, Then Peter, not filled with his own ideas, not having his own explanation. Well, you see, we walked with Jesus for three and a half years and now we heard a lot and now we know a lot and we're just telling you what we know. No. It says, now Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, they had healed somebody, God had healed somebody through them, let's say, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to, the, and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, look at the boldness, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, speaking prophetically reminiscent of Jesus being the cornerstone that his church would be built on. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, not from their own experience or affiliation, but from the Holy Spirit, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. I just want to encourage you today that you can have no Bible school training and you can have the mind of Christ and people will listen to you because they'll recognize God has something to say. This person is not thinking like the rest of us think. His mind's been transformed. And they recognize, these guys sound like fishermen. They don't sound like they know what they're talking about. But they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men and they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. You know the thing that transformed you? Being with Jesus, gazing on him, the veil's been taken away. Now you get to spend time in his presence and all of a sudden I am changed from glory to glory. Verse 14, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. <laughs> well... <laughs> Okay, but when they had commanded them to go out, aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what, what do we do with these guys? What shall we do with these men? For indeed, they, uh, indeed a notable miracle had been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. You know, this is the new Peter. The old Peter would have had a bunch of stuff rolling through his head, a bunch of unrenewed mind gibberish. <laughs> but the new Peter, he thinks differently. He's filled with the Spirit, and so he talks differently. He sees differently. He's not worried about this situation. He's actually got something to say. And so I just want to read just a few more verses with you. We're going to skip. I was going to read. I'll read it again to you. Romans 12, 2 says this. And do not be conformed again to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing, the complete overhaul and renovation of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will, will of God. I wanna leave you with three things today. You may say, well, well, well how? <laughs> how, I, I, I kinda have some mindsets that I've been, you know, some fear that I keep on dealing with and some patterns, some sin patterns that I keep on just going back to and some things that, some, some people who I, I don't like that I wanna think about them like God think and, and, and the way I look at myself I look at myself, I don't think it's how God looks at me, and I, and I know that, but, I, but my mind isn't transformed yet. What do we do? There's a lot of things. I shouldn't say it like that. There's a lot of things. But I have three for you this morning, and I want to back it up by scripture. Number one, spend time in God's presence. I want to read that verse to you one more time. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, but we all with unveiled face, remember, if you're a believer in Jesus, the veil's gone. You have access to all who he is. That separation, that inaccessibility that people have experienced in the past, that doesn't pertain to you anymore. And if you ask for forgiveness, you can go into the holy place. It says, but we all, that's ev- that in the Greek, all means everybody. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image as Jesus from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Sarah, could you come and play? That'll kind of help these last few moments here. Spend time in God's presence. It just says to, to look. You know, I think so often we get in so, so busy of a mode that sitting there and just looking at Jesus, that seems like a waste of time. But actually, the Bible says that when I, when I gaze at his beauty, when I sit in his presence, when I just acknowledge who he is, then I begin to, my mind begins to be renewed. I begin to change. I begin to see like he sees. My, my vision isn't blurry any longer. I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. All right, spend time in God's presence. I know these are simple, but God's word, if you're to renew your mind, you gotta read what he says. You may say, well, God doesn't speak to me. Well, you got a whole book to read what he's saying to you. And don't you love when sometimes you read the same passages God will highlight through the Holy Spirit and certain things will jump off the page. I can't tell you how many times I've said and I've heard people say, I've never saw that before. I never noticed that before. The word of God's alive. It says it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's gonna actually transform you and renew you and, and change your mind. And so Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this, for the word of God, it's living and powerful. Oh, I like it. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and of the marrow and is a discerner, a judger, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God will begin to give you discernment, not just information, but revelation. You begin to think differently. You begin to look at the world around you differently. You begin to look at people differently. When your wife does that thing one too many times or when your husband says things that way one too many times, you'll begin to look at them differently. Oh, I'm supposed to love my husband like 
and, and, and honor him and, and respect him and, and husbands. I'm supposed to love my wife like Christ loved the church. That's, that's how, what God thinks. And the people around me, when they talk about me at work and when they backstab me and when they call me names and when they persecute me for being a crazy Christian and weird, and I can know that I can bless those who curse me, do good to those who come against me. And that's what God thinks. Well, that's not what I think. But when I read God's word, I all of a sudden think what he thinks. Last one. And I think this is important. I've got three R's. To, if you want to write this down, if you write anything down, you can write this down. Recognizing, rejecting, and replacing thoughts that don't line up with the word of God. Recognizing, rejecting, but those two aren't good enough. Replacing. you got to recognize He's not good to argue with because he'll just keep on bringing other stuff up. Just reject him. Say, that's stupid. You're, get out of here. That's not what God says about me. That's not what God says about my family. That's not what God says about my finances. That, that's not what God says about my future. That's not what God says about who I am. He says I'm loved. He says I'm forgiven. He says I've been given the promise of the Holy Spirit. He says I've been set free. He says a lot of stuff about me that you're not saying. And so I'm going to listen to his voice. I recognize the voice of the enemy and I reject it. And all of a sudden, I begin to replace it. Two more verses, and then we're going to pray today. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. We cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, how God thinks. Anything that God thinks, I don't think because, it's, because his thoughts are higher. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Taking every thought that I think, if it doesn't line up with God's word, I don't want to think it. I'm going to reject it and I'm going to replace it. If these, if these thoughts of self-hatred, these thoughts of anxiety, these thoughts of insecurity, or these thoughts of, that I'm addicted and I'm broken and I'm too far gone and I'm, and I'm weak and I'm, God couldn't use me. All these thoughts are not God's thoughts. They're, they're the enemy's thoughts for you, the natural thoughts. And I say, I have to take them into captivity and I have to bring them into captivity to the obedience of Christ. One last verse. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. I believe this is your portion today for your thoughts, for taking captive thoughts. Don't worry. This is the New Living Translation. I usually don't use that, but I love how this is worded. It says, don't worry about anything. Anybody worry this week? I'm the only one. Okay, we've got a few honest people here. <laughs> don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Isn't that so good? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. And this will be one final thing for us today. Fix your thoughts on what is true. So, so, so in your life, you can do a, a litmus test for your thoughts. Is this true and honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? 
think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. God wants to take control in a greater way of your mind. And I promise you, as you, as you allow him to transform your mind through, his, through spending time with him in his presence, gazing at his beauty, you may say, uh, I don't experience him when I get alone with God. Trust me, keep doing it. Don't give up. You will. You will encounter God. It says those who seek will find. So if you feel like, man, my prayer time, just I don't feel anything. I, it's hard. It's hard to keep. I, I run out. My list runs out in about two and a half minutes. And then I'm kind of sitting there like, you know, what now, God? You know, I promise you, you commit to saying, God, I want you to reveal yourself to me. I want you to work in my life. I promise you, he'll reveal himself to you. And so as we're being transformed, spend time in his presence. Spend time in his word. Your thoughts recognize when they come and they're not from God, but they're from the enemy. Replace what's not from God. And so today I want, uh, we're not going to have altar time because we are, we are here at the end of our service time. But I'd like for us to just stand at the, at the end of this time. And if you want this to be you today, if you want to say to God, God, I feel like my vision has been blurred because my mind isn't quite renewed to how I need it to be. I don't feel like I think your thoughts all the time. I don't think that I, I, I think what you think all the time. I just, I just want you to lift your hand right now. And I'm going to lift my hand today. And I want us to pray. And I want us to commit. God, I know, I know I'm a natural person. I love the Bible says he knows he knows your form he knows you're human and he has sympathy on you he feels the feeling of your infirmities he knows your plight the plight of humanity but he's called you to something higher he's called you by the Holy Spirit to think how he thinks to experience the reality that he walked in while he was here so God today with these hands raised today and my hand raised as well God we want to think the thoughts of Christ we want to look at the world around us like you look at it. We want to look at the people around us like you look. God, we want to see through the eyes of faith the situations that look tragic, that look devastating, that look hurtful, that look like they're going to ruin me. And I see them how you see them, God, and their opportunities for faith, for victory, for, for a testimony, and for the glorifying of our God. So God, we thank you today for transforming our minds in a new way today. God, I pray that, God, we would be faithful to pray these prayers. God, that we would spend time in your presence. God, that we would spend time in your word. And God, we would take our thoughts captive. And God, you would renew our minds. I want to end with this today. Something that I've been, I don't pray it every day. I want to pray it every day. But my parents taught me a prayer as a child. And they said, John Gordon, begin praying this prayer. Pray that God would give you his thoughts, his words, his desires, and live out his life within me. And so I just want to share that prayer with you today. I believe it's a powerful, simple prayer that I pray, try to pray every day. And it's just a few, a few moments. But I said, God, would you live out, would you give me your thoughts? Would you give me your words? And would you give me your desires? And would you live your life through me? And I believe that if you commit to start praying that prayer, I believe that you'll begin having thoughts that you know are not from you. I believe you'll begin speaking to the lives of people things that only God could have known and they'll be amazed. How did you know that? Because I, I'm beginning to have the mind of Christ because I've submitted my mind to him. And I believe you'll begin speaking into the world and, and light will come into the darkness. God, we say today, take our minds, take our eyes, take ourselves. And Lord, we give you what's already yours is us today. So we love you. 
We thank you, God. Lord, we just pray again for the safe return of Pastor Mike, Pastor, Pastor Donna this week. And Lord, we just pray that you'll give them traveling mercies again for our sister Peggy this coming week as she leaves for the Philippines for protection. Lord, I pray for anyone sick in our church community today. God, we pray for healing. God, we pray that you'll touch those who have infirmity in their bodies. And God, we pray that you'll do what only you can do by the power of your Holy Spirit, which is change us. So Lord, we love you today. And God, we thank you so much for the mind of Christ, that we can think your thoughts, we can speak your words, we can see like you see. And God, we pray that you'll transform us from glory into glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're thankful today, we just give him a hand clap. Would you just say thank you, Lord? Thank you, Lord. Amen. We thank you for being here today. Love you guys. And have a wonderful, blessed day. And pray for our pastors as they come home.